Hello and welcome back everyone to another episode on the Lunar Nation podcast. This is your host Franz and I'm joined today again by my fellow co-hosts Sagoon, Harsh, and Arrow. Today we're going to be discussing and looking at the rising tensions that have been recently occurring between China and its neighbor Taiwan. China, a global superpower, points to history to say that Taiwan was originally a Chinese province. However, Taiwan claims the same history to deny the fact that they were never part of China. An ongoing dispute has left the region in a standoff, as well as hostility and tensions on the rise. With only 13 countries recognizing Taiwan as a sovereign country, China exerts considerable diplomatic pressure and other countries to deny the recognition. As China continues to dominate the South China Sea and expand its influence around the world, where are the outcomes for Taiwan? Can this dispute be resolved peacefully, or will it lead to another never-ending bloodshed? Okay, guys, thanks for joining us today. And as you can see, we're going to be talking about the current situation that's going on with China and Taiwan. And um, we, we want to start off with Arrow to just to give a brief history of how this whole situation started between these uh, these two. Well, I mean, United States considers Taiwan its own independent country. But, you know, considering China considers Taiwan part of them, you know, we want to see how the history started between these two and what led to them having this tension between one another. Yes. So here's the history. So if you look at Taiwan, back in uh, 1683, uh, the Chinese Qin Dynasty, like they are the ones who formally annexed Taiwan. And at that time, you know, Taiwan had its own Aboriginal population, as well as like Europeans, which was mostly predominantly Dutch. And obviously then the Chinese influence came at that time. What happened afterwards was that in 1895, there was a uh, Japanese-China war, which was referred to as the first uh, Sino-Japanese war, which basically uh, in this scenario, China lost. So China had to cede Taiwan, among other territories, to Japan after losing the war, basically. And if we fast forward to like the end of World War II, which basically is like the Allies, um, place Taiwan under Chinese administration. And that's because uh, Japan had to cede uh, the territory. You got to remember in 1895, that's when Japan took over. So in a span of 50 years, uh, they had held Taiwan under their control. And then after that, they gave it to China. And China, in um, the years following, had a civil war, which basically in 1949, there was a communist victory in China, which was basically won by Mao Zedong. And the loser in this case scenario was Chiang Kai-shek, who was the leader of the nationalist uh, uh, movement. And he had to run away to Taiwan. And at that moment of time, this is when the whole split happened in 1949, because China became communist and then the nationalists uh, ran away to Taiwan in 1949. And the years that followed was basically, you know, uh, Taiwan's relations with U.S. having its, like, you know, embassy there. And in 1979, this is when the diplomatic resolution came where U.S. is like, okay, you know what? China will agree to the one China policy. So... Therefore, as a result of that, uh, U.S. had to acknowledge China as being the sole proprietary government of 
the whole China slash Taiwan and scenario, and this pretty much gives it more power. And one more thing is, at that time, it's also U.S. agreed with Taiwan that they're gonna defend it by meaning like they will sell weapons to it, so that Taiwan can defend itself against China. And then now that you see years down the line, you see let's see this whole situation because what we're seeing right now is Taiwan. Um, they they're independent, but what China is saying right now is if Taiwan declares independence, that is the moment we where we will declare a uh, military invasion. Why, in my opinion or theory, is if Ta- China does not do anything and lets Taiwan declare its independence, uh, th- this is going to be a cause for up uh, basically rebellion within Chinese territory or. Elsewhere that China has control of. Yeah, of course. Uh, I just want to add. Of course, China would get mad. And I just want to add to your point about you know uh, Taiwan being considered as an independent, you know, an independent country because there's uh, currently 13 countries, uh, including the Vatican, that actually recognizes Taiwan as a single entity country itself, right? So if if China were to split off, like you said. Um, not t- China, sorry, Taiwan would split up, like you said, then there would be some kind of uproar, right? Because because of what China feels with Taiwan and the connections that they have. Sorry, I just want to add one more thing. I did mention that I forgot to uh, actually state that. In 1971, it's, this is when UN recognizes the communist China as sole government of whole country. And that's because after the uh, Kamen leader Chiang Kai-shek, like which I refer to, refused the dual representation deal. And this pretty much uh, what he did is he kind of didn't do a deal and he kind of killed Taiwan's scenario. And that pretty much means like the Republic of China was the sole member in the UN uh, Security Council. Okay, awesome. So thank you, Arrow, for that brief history. So kind of give us like the the reasons why you know china is claiming taiwan and taiwan is claiming their own independence it was kind of like a gray area to me is because back then there was a lot lot of wars and a lot of you know a lot of the countries being handed from one country to another to whatnot so you know it seems like a lot of people were getting confused and and whatnot so um you know it just it seems like like a lot of gray area to me but i want to appreciate you for giving off that that little brief history so i wanted to like talk about the current situation right now. So we know about the history. So what is currently happening right now with, with the whole uh, China and Taiwan situation? What, where are they standing at? And what is possibly leading up to for, for the future or not even for the future, for a short, ter- short term in the coming weeks, months, or even short term years? Well, okay. So Sorry, no matter, um, yeah, I was going to add up to the uh, to France question about what's going on there. And, you know, Sagoon kind of beat me to the fact that, yeah, I mean, there's only like 13 countries recognizing Taiwan, which is which is a surprising fact. I mean, not a lot of countries recognize Taiwan's sovereignty. So that's that's kind of odd there. And still, Taiwan's trying to raise to a power where it again claims that I'm on my own land. And it's only about like 161 kilometer far from China. And China has been... As you ask uh, France, like what's going on? China has announced targeted military exercises and uh, has been uh, breaching Taiwan's airspace. They already did one one pretty interesting thing too. They also simulated an inv- a whole large scale simulation on Taiwan, and um, 
there's there's a lot of manufacturing that's being pulled out of China at this point. Um, before China was a huge recycler for United States, and I think now all that um garbage and recycling has been targeted towards India, and also um active pharmaceutical ingredients that were manufactured combined by India and China that was about to eighty percent of the world now has been pulled out of. China as well, and those same contracts are going to India again. Uh, the most recent thing that happened was Nancy Nancy Pelosi visited um, China, and China has responded by shooting missiles in their airspace and past Taiwan and, and their and their water bodies. So it's pretty tense out there. I think I think you meant to say Taiwan. You said Nancy Pelosi was in China. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. She was on. A, she was on a campaign tour or something like that, and she visited four other countries. But then, uh, you know, she decided last minute to visit Taiwan, and obviously, that angered the Chinese. And I'm not sure you guys knew this, but the last time a major U.S. official to visit Taiwan was back in, I think it was 1997. I think it was the current House Speaker during that time was Newt Gringinch. I think I butchered his last name, but anyway, I'm pretty sure everyone gets the gist. Um, he he touched down in Taiwan. I think it was like I said, 1997, and even even during that time, China still had uh, an outcry, and they they were upset about this whole situation. However, they couldn't really do much about it because back then they were still not as a not well known as a global superpower as they are now, and their military was not um, pretty much really intact. It was really outdated and whatnot. But again, that's what is that like over 25 years ago and a lot has happened in those 25 years and you can see a big difference from how they acted back then to what they're acting now is like harsh mentioned they're you know acting you know simulation of how they invade they would invade taiwan the, doing a lot of you know military drills whether it's in the air sea land and whatnot and you know really boasting their their superpower and what what they could do and what what kind of force they could they could show yeah, they're they're definitely like flexing their muscle but as as a superpower themselves, right? Because they they want they want control. They don't want uh, you know the far west or any other influence. I mean, we're gonna mention that you know later in our podcast, but they they want they want basically China for themselves. So I just wanted to ask like a quick question um, to uh, I guess uh, anyone anyone that wants to answer it. But uh, what are what, what what would be the like the major events that you know shaped up to the current situation that we have? right now I think with this Arrow. whole yeah with yeah, this whole, so. uh china taiwan you know okay okay so, Arrow's I, a history I wanna, group, so yeah go ahead Arrow. i i want to actually this might give you a big clue so in 2016 of january the pro-independence democratic uh pro progressive party candidate who's the uh current president of taiwan takes office in May. So just as a background, she's pro-independent. So that's like already a red flag for China. It's already, as soon as she gets elected, there's already beef happening as that, 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 that's the current situation. So as soon as she gets elected, China's like, oh, game over. Anyways, 2017, <coughs> Panama, which basically, you know, they, they're, they switched their uh, diplomatic recognition from Taiwan to China. So this is when you see China's influence is spreading worldwide. And they're like, okay, you know what? We take care of you. You take care of us. You just make sure you don't recognize Taiwan. So, you know, this is like later on, you see countries like breaking diplomatic relations with Taiwan. And you saw 
the current moment, Nancy Pelosi go to Taiwan. Obviously, she says this is more of like a, a strong notation that, you know, United States stands behind Taiwan in terms of defending. Because here's it's a difficult situation here. If you uh, if our the government does not take action and like you know says we're gonna come in and do anything, it kind of gives a bad image to other allies. Where in terms of like oh you didn't really take care of Taiwan, and you coming, how can we trust you if a situation happens to us? You know what I mean? And at the same time, uh, the current situation is the current president of Taiwan is pro independent. She wants to separate Taiwan from China. Uh, she's not fully uh, of Han, Han um, ancestry, which is basically the main Chinese uh, ethnicity. She's mixed with some aboriginals. And I think, uh, don't quote me on this, but I'm, you know, I've been, I did a little bit of research and apparently her grandfather or great-grandfather, someone is like of Japanese descent. So it's, there's a whole like, you know, aurora of like, her mixtures not being purely Chinese. So that could dilute that whole potential of like, you know, you know, we're not really making a deal with some of Han, full di- fully Han. We're making a deal with someone who's like mixture of everything. And I'm telling you what, I don't, I do not believe Taiwan will get independence because the moment they declare that China has to make its move. It's like a chess. And if, Taiwan declares its independence. Uh, what happens in the scenario is China has to make a move. Why? We see this whole current situation of the Uyghurs in uh, China, where they also want to declare independence. Uh, we see the situation in Hong Kong, where they also want to declare independence. So it just there's going to be a domino effect. So that's what I believe. Well, China, uh, or I'm sorry, Taiwan did the first, you know, transfer of power in 2000. So, I mean, that's that's when they claimed they got the independence. They transferred power from the Republic of China to um, the Taiwanese government or, you know, whatever the president they have um, towards that. And, I mean, they already kind of did that. They already claimed independence on, on what's going on. And, I mean, there was this one more instance in, um, I think it was in 1990. Um, but after the war uh, was officially over in 1991, China had proposed an offer to Taiwan about one country, two systems um, to come under Beijing's control. But Taiwan rejected it. And that also, you know, kind of agitated China um, on the rejection of that offer. And pretty recent, um, the United States has said that they will defend Taiwan at all, you know, if, if China was to invade. I think again, all that just agitates China, and they want yeah. to just push for the show of power. I think. Yeah, yeah, but that is very vague because what you what we say is basically we're going to provide them weapons. I don't know if personal level will come to a military defense because if mm-hmm. if, if that scenario actually happened, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's not just going to be Taiwan. It's going to be a whole like what's going to do is going to drag. It's going to be like you know how uh, World, World War Three is it going to yeah, be? It's War? basically like World War One. You know how they uh, assassinated Arch Ferdinand of Austria, and then what well, Austria went to war with, like, they were going to invade uh, Serbia, and I guess Russia came in, and then this whole, like, mud pile of other countries came in, and uh, it turned out to be, like, a whole European war. 
And then yes. the, the whole European war and like, you know, dragged in the colonies at that time, which was like India, um, North, North Africa, and then Turkey came in because Turkey, well, Turkey came in because at the end of the day, allies at that moment of time wanted to take over some resources in um, the uh, Middle East to take oil. So it, it's, yeah. here's the thing. I think Taiwan, it, it is a country, but I think more importantly, it's like about all natural resources. So that you should pay attention to how much of the natural resources um, because at the end of the day, you're investing to go in a battle. And at the same time, you want to return in some way or some form because you're, you're not going to go to war for a desert because at the end of the day, there's nothing in the desert. So why would you care? Yeah, exactly. the, Ukraine, the Ukraine war didn't turn out too good for Russia. And, I uh, mean, it, it didn't as well. And just just like what Arrow was saying is that I, I just feel like there's just going to be that chain reaction, right? Anytime something, some sort of nature like this happens, right, with one fighting for another's land, right? There's going to be people that are going to be angered, right? And people as in like different countries, right? And when different countries get to the mix, when US and China get to the mix, I mean, they already have tensions anyways, right? There's just, in my opinion, China is just one of those things that it's just like, it just gets their spark, you know? Just just in order to just have, like, just fight, you know? It just gives them a reason to do that. So that I think that if they, if, if there is some kind of control that happens, you know, uh, with uh, Taiwan being, uh, you know, independent, then what's going to happen is that China, U.S., 100% is going to be war. Just like what Harsh is saying is that China, uh, uh, no, sorry, Taiwan is in the side of the U.S., right? So there's going to be there's going to be some sparkling, you know, action for sure. Well, when it comes down to the people, um. There, there, been, there are people on the Taiwan island that, are, that, that recognize themselves as both Chinese and Taiwanese, but that has all fallen down. Like all most most of the people right now on that island consider themselves as Taiwanese. So everyone has just given up their um, Chinese claim or, you know, people who claim to be Chinese. So I think it's all gone too. By the, by the, if you go by the people, they also want to just be left them left alone by themselves as a state. Also, uh, so I just just want to ask a question. So, is there is there a potential chance that you know a war like this could happen with like uh, just like how Ukraine and Russia happened? Because since we're already you know talking about this war effect, right? So, yeah, I can answer that question. I think I know a little bit more about this. So, as far as Russia invading Ukraine, that's a whole different topic. But China invading Ukraine is is totally different and. The reason it is different is because, first of all, Ukraine and Russia are connected. They have a long history with each other. So does Taiwan and China. However, there's a big difference with that. The difference is, first of all, there's a 110-mile gap between Taiwan and China, meaning that they have to cross the, the that little strait of ocean with, with the water. Now, China has currently around 2 million active soldiers, whereas in Taiwan has only 165,000 active soldiers, but they do have 1.6 million in reserve. So it's not like they don't have the manpower to defend. Okay, so let's get that out of the way. We have the numbers right there. Both sides have a good amount of soldiers to attack and defend. However, when we're looking at this from a uh, military standpoint, China and Taiwan are both advanced as far as military-wise because China has recently not recently, but within the last 20 years, have really put on a lot of money into their armed forces. And Taiwan has put on a lot of money, and they've been backed up by Western countries, such as Japan, Australia, and United States, as far as defense spending. So 
going going to this, then we're looking at China has 110 mile gap to cover. They only have two aircraft carriers in service right now. They're building currently a third one, and they only have several uh, amphibious ships. And some of them are pretty small, and some of them are being updated with new ones being commissioned in the coming years. So if you have to think about it, some experts believe that they have to send anywhere from 800,000 to 1 million troops uh, to cross the, the strait for them to fully, like, conquer Taiwan or like occupy it and whatnot. So you know, some say smaller numbers, some say larger numbers, whatnot. But the thing is, either way, for them to carry that amount of troops, even if it's two hundred thousand, they're not able to fully have the capable power to do that with just the ships that they have. Yeah, they had to have a big navy. It's over three hundred ships, but a lot of them are, you know, um, you know, destroyers that are filled with ammunitions, you know, submarines and whatnot. So a lot of the the ships that they have are not, you know, capable of hand of handling thousands and thousands of troops to carry you know, across the street. Now, let's say they did have that that, that, that capability to do that. The thing that, that is against them is it would take them several hours to cross that street and gives the time, you know, Taiwan Armed Forces a good amount of time to prepare. Now, Taiwan has very good air defense system and missiles, and they also have a lot of anti-ship missiles and smaller surface crafts to, you know, attack the ships and whatnot. Um, now, China needs to take care of all the ports and there's only several beaches and ports that they can land with in, in Taiwan and they have to make sure that they don't destroy those ports because if they do then it would make it difficult for them to land and it would kind of like destroy the point if they occupy Taiwan and they have all these ports fully destroyed so and these ports are you got to keep in mind they're heavily guarded because Taiwan knows that they're key interest points so they want to make sure they guard these points so they have a lot of going against them. And not only that, but if they do plan an attack and let's say they get past Taiwan's air force and air missile defense and whatnot and, and, and whatnot, then they're going to look at the fact that USA and Japan have actually pledged to join the fight. USA obviously is, you know, be standing behind Taiwan and then Japan standing behind Taiwan because they're afraid that if China takes over Taiwan, they think that they could be next. next just because also... China's really like uh, boasting their power in the South China Sea, you know, creating little islands as far as many bases and having a lot of control and disruption in the area. So from a standpoint, as far as military invasion, I think that it would really be in China's, not in China's favor to attack, because like I said, it would, they don't have the capability right now. I'm not saying that they're not, they're not uh, advanced as far as military, but they don't have the full capability to land enough troops to have a full successful invasion. And they have very small landing space to land on the beaches or ports and whatnot. And, you know, it just, it just seems like it would be a catastrophe for them to land. So what it just seems that they're just trying to boast their military powers, whether it's on social media, sending videos out and doing a lot of propaganda to so show their power. But ideally, I don't think they, they would be able to, to have a full conquer of the, of the country. And look at, look at it this way, Russia known as a big superpower, couldn't even you know fully invade ukraine i mean they try to go and take the whole region and now they're trying to take only just the eastern region they're having issues and whatnot and and, and all that stuff and you know personally i think that it's not possible for them to take it easily but i want to hear your guys opinion and see what you guys think so i think i think uh for me i just want to say i do i do agree with your point franz that it is military wise just 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 the region of taiwan itself is really hard but i just think it from you know like a mentality kind of thing right so and actually in 2021 so the chinese president uh, xi Jinping said um those who uh for, forget their heritage betray their motherland and seek to split the country will come to no good so they actually have this kind of 
like they have it in their in my opinion they have like a mentality you know that taiwan should be theirs you know they they should they should be able to claim it because it it rightly belongs to them so i just feel like just because of that motivation itself even though it is militarily uh you know disadvantaged i think they will you know try it you know just 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 to see you know what would happen like you said that ukraine wasn't successful but if they didn't try it right like you you won't you won't get a result without actually trying to, to see what would happen right yeah, but you're not you're not like playing a game here. You're playing with lives and actual like you are, you're playing you're with lives. Playing with, but because the thing is, like, if you advance, not only is you having like half the world against you that are you know people that are not your allies are going to go against you. You're going to put yourself in a predicament that you're going to be either in a full blown war, your economy might go down, you might well, lose, and the possibility of you losing, you might lose the whole nation. I mean, there's it's not something that you like. It's not a game that you play with. This is like actually like it's real life scenarios so for, for them to I, actually I, like I, jump in and actually fight to see if they take it or not. Is like it's like a big risk. I agree with you. Last, last thing I'm gonna say is um just China already has a lot of enemies anyways. So I in my opinion I don't think they really care. So I I think they they've already had enough enemies. I think they might as well. So try. in your opinion, you know, uh, I I I don't know if I agree or disagree, but let me tell you one thing. China, as far as like diplomatic, they're very patient. Uh, I, I I heard this before from somebody else that when you're dealing with someone from China, when you uh basically they're like a crouching tiger. They will be patient until the moment the enemy is weak, and then they will attack. So right now, if you have all the pay like the world attention on China and Taiwan, I'm telling you what, China's not gonna move. Gonna chill. The moment everyone's attention is somewhere else, this is when China is going to make its move. Just because they're patient. They're just diplomatically very, 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 very patient. That's what makes them like a, it's like a game of chess, you know? So it depends who your opponent is and how patient you are and how, you know, it's just like a poker game. But I want to go into more interesting things. And that would be what, why would China not stop? So. That's a question like I, I believe everybody will be curious to ask. And my statement on this is China is done a growing superpower as the world population of one point some odd billion. It knows it's not gonna keep its population at the current moment because as the world modernizes, so does population decrease. And what China is afraid of is actually um being like Japan, you know. Uh, where its population dwindles and its economy will slowly, surely uh, slow down. So what China know, uh, is doing is, you know, it's expanding its influence. It, it wants to build uh, the, it wants to rebuild the Silk Road Initiative. If you know about the Silk Road, which basically is an ancient trade route uh, from China to Europe, and this is how they brought silk to Europe. And by the way, I think Marco Marco Polo was the one who stole the ingredients to silk. And what's interesting, you know, this is crazy. This is like mind blowing. You know, fire firecrackers or fireworks, the gunpowder. This was originally from China, and China did not utilize this at that moment of time. If hypothetically China used this at that moment of time, different history. Either way, China didn't use it, and I'm pretty sure China learned its lessons. So China's going to be like, we, what we got to do, we're going to stay patient. And then the moment is right, we'll attack. 
Right now, let's focus on the economy. Let's work, uh, focus on our uh, influence. Let's focus on building this Belt Road Initiative because once we connect uh, Europe, Asia, Africa, we don't need uh, any other third party to come and tell us, oh, you know, you're doing this wrong. We have, we are the supply chain. And what happens? If you control the supply chain, you control, you control like the resource. Where you control resource, you control power. That's what you they're going to do. Some good points. And also, I kind of want to emphasize on the point you mentioned earlier in regards to like, um, when you mentioned like the weaker populations and whatnot. So I know there's a lot of controversy going around that. And I know it's been the, the, the news has been suppressed on that as far as China, you know, not a lot of information coming out, but it seems like China doesn't want to stop because they want to, they want to, again, like you mentioned, they want to control that power. So it's like when the Uyghurs were kind of like trying to do their own thing and whatnot, China had to shut them down, especially also with, I mentioned with Hong Kong and, you know, a lot of the protests that were happening. And then when COVID happened, China was able to, you know, shut them down and, keep everything at peace. So it's like, you know, if Taiwan starts, you know, coming up and, you know, gain their independence, then it's going to show kind of weakness for China. And then it's going to start a domino effect. You know, the Uyghurs might stand up again, or who knows, other other provinces and regions might have their own little issues and debates, and it could cause a lot of uh, um, internal conflict within the region. And also, as we can see with, you know, kind of going a little off topic, but with Russia, how they had you know, back then the Soviet Union had a lot of countries under them, you know, they had a little buffer zone, they had control. And then when that all went away after 1991, you know, the Russia was left on its own. And then the NATO started coming in and, you know, taking over a lot of the you know, countries in Europe and Russia felt, you know, had to go on the offensive. And so we can see, obviously, fast forward, they're kind of going after Ukraine. And there's a whole lot of conflict and, and a lot of things, but they want to go into that. But yeah, you know, you're right. China wants to contain that power and keep it. They don't want to, you know, stop what they've created so far. So by letting other, you know, sovereign nations such as Taiwan or other regions, you know, go off on their own, it would it would show a lot of weakness for them. And you know, it might end up to, to them, you know, splitting up or ruining the party. So they want to show that 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 upper hand of that dominance. I think a lot of countries around the world also owe a lot of money to China. That gives them. A lot more leverage over trade and what goes through and comes through from all ports. Also, they also have this other Belt and Road initiative that they're using to I think that load road uh, leads from Pakistan to um, a couple of stands over that region and then towards uh, Russia. And they have uh, active military personnel on the on those roads and those ports and borders per, uh, protecting their assets over there. Mm. U.S. owes about a trillion or trillion point two dollars to China right now. Did you say the U.S. Uh, uh, owes China? Yes, or, a trillion, mm, over a trillion dollars, and Japan as well gives those mm. Asian guys a little bit more leverage. I know I China see. and Japan so, are nowhere on the same page, but you know. So, so the question would be then: So China's not stopping; it's showing their power. So. I guess, what are the leverages that China has against the West? So what you're saying is one of the leverages China owns bonds and U.S. manufacturing power. So they kind of control a subsector of the region. And, you know, since they're in control of that, there's there's kind of like a stalemate between the two nations, even though China China's not able to invade. U.S. is not able to do anything on its side either. So it's kind of like a stalemate. Is that what you're kind of saying, Harsh? Yeah, because um, right now, whatever is being manufactured inside the United States, all the bigger manufacturing companies, um, even if you take mostly automotive, have their base materials sourced from China. Yeah, all everything. Their, everything the, everything is just sourced from China at this point. Yeah, like like any product that you see, 
you're looking at it, you look at the back, made in China. All the people, like, I just wanted to mention this quick, is, like, you know, the people in China China are very, like, I guess, like, nationalistic, patri- like, patriarchal. So what they do is they come into the U.S., they come to all these foreign countries, and then they learn all the skills, and then they go back to China, and they, uh, they perfect their craft, and they grow these big companies and these empires to improve their economy because they want the best of their nation. So that's why right now China's economy is just, like, at a constant rise, you know, if you compare the GDP from, you know, China and the U.S. in uh, 2021, China is 8%, U.S. is around 5.5%. So that shows you how much of a power, you know, China is is at itself, right? So compared to the U.S. when you're doing like a head-to-head face. For sure. Most definitely, undoubtedly, that China is definitely a global superpower. So as, as we can see, we talked about what kind of leverage China has against, you know, the Western countries and what kind of military actions they would take and if it's possible and you know what the current situation is but what do you guys think the future outcome would, would you know realistically be not even within the next couple of years i know that Harold mentioned that china is very patient and whatnot but do you guys believe that it would actually be invaded like what, what are you guys actual predictions for a future outcome do you think that things could actually turn out peacefully or do you think it's going to be like a never-ending bloodshed yeah, I think I think just because of the mentality, like I mentioned, right, like I mentioned before, it's just the mentality of China itself, right? They they claim China as theirs, you know, even as I mentioned, the president's quote as well, right? So I just do feel like one time, one time there's going to be that, you know, trigger that happens, you know, some kind of event that leads to it. And then what's going to happen is that I feel like all the other countries are going to be involved in it. And when when all the other countries be becomes involved in the situation, then there's just going to be a global war. So I, I don't want to I don't want to be the the guy that says bad news. But I think I think there might just be a global war, you know, just because of this issue that happened with different countries taking different sides. And then again, to quote Sagoon, China is just OP. Way over Very over. <laughs> and so going, I see, I see that. I think you're taking it to the extreme. That's my opinion. But yeah, I mean, it's I, the I future, personally right? think that it'll, it'll be like an ongoing event till maybe I don't know. Either either one of one of the one of the governments gonna either the Chinese government's gonna give give in in the future if you know it changes leadership, or the Taiwanese government's gonna give in if it changes leadership. That's my opinion. But who knows? I could be wrong. Well, let me tell you, let me tell you, this is the realistic. The the leadership in Taiwan will most likely be forced to change. Uh, how? It's all going to be economical because at the end of the day, uh, there's a story that goes back in the... So people, people, you know what? People's my main source of uh, happiness is like basically having shelter, food, and how. And the moment, like, let's say if China... <clears throat> becomes more powerful and then what China I don't know if you guys know but when Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan China put more sanctions on uh, Taiwan basically they limited the they stopped all concrete uh, resources going to like the whatever to make concrete to Taiwan and then prior to that they um, they pretty much said Taiwan cannot ship any more pineapples and sell it to China so they're putting economic pressure. You know, usually people, here's the thing, you could have allies, but the moment you get rid of, like, you know, you, you put that economic pressure and you cut the resources, what happens? 
people go crazy and people will more likely agree with you because at the end of the day, they need the resource to survive. And China is already doing that to Taiwan and we'll see what Taiwan is going to do. But at the end of the day, I think China is already in a better edge at this situation to put the extreme pressure. And uh, what, what I believe is going to happen is sooner or later with China's influence and if the Yellow Belt Road Initiative is constructed, I guarantee you ta- Taiwan will most likely... Um, change leadership and then become more of a closer uh, tie with China at a certain point in time. There's this book um, by Rush Doshi, The Long Game. Um, it broadly gives out that China's grand strategy to displace American order. And it has a couple of chapters that defines an, a grand strategy, how China is going to, um, you know, displace the power and, and, displace American order that, that's growing over the the world right now. The Western influence is growing over. That's a good recommended read, though, for our audience. What, what was the book again? I just want to make sure. The Long Game. The Long Game. Okay. Yeah. I have to read that. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you for the uh, thank you for the the book, Harsh. We'll be sure to take a look at it. And um, I think that was a, that was a great, you know, topic that we tackled i know there's a lot more to cover and there's always ongoing information and whatnot but just to get a little bit the gist of you know what happened in the past what's currently happening what are some outcomes for short term or long term so i want to shout out the audience for joining us for this discussion i'll be on the lookout for future topics that you'd like us to cover we'll be sure to post on instagram and twitter some polls this week so be sure to vote and um, see what you guys want to hear next. And again, I want to thank everyone as far as far as uh, audience and my co-host. So be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and rate this current episodes. And take care. We'll see you guys later.